gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in Well, it's been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Wings Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the rain breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? Gamecocks have won this game! You're your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Watch him celebrate now. Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co. The BarndominiumCo.com, one of the U.S.'s best builders, and you can do it for $160 or as low as $160 per square foot. You got to live in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, or in Tennessee. Signorama is the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, and we just couldn't do what we do without either one of them and the rest of our partners as well. So thank you so much to all of them for being a part of our programming and for being a part of our future here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, and more. JC is back today. He had to get some things done with JC and Morgan yesterday. Phil and I thought that he totally shafted us. However, Phil, good news. Mike called me yesterday afternoon to fuss and discuss a bunch of different things, and he did. He did back up JC's claim that they were um, that they uh, had a, a, a podcast to to coordinate, and they did it with Gary Barnett, as a matter right. of fact. Which I'm really looking forward to to listening to that. So he wasn't lying. Um, he, he wasn't scared to be on the show or anything like that. He, uh, he had work to do. And, um, so we're glad to have him today coming up literally here in seconds. Whenever Phil pops him in, you're going to be really happy to see one of the great faces of Gamecock football, Perry Orth, uh, who uh, can, can talk ball with the best of, there he is. Uh, We've got him for about uh, 20 minutes or so this morning as we start to grind the gears towards college football season. We're only one day away from the final month without it, and uh, and uh, Perry is is kind enough to be here to join us. So we got a bunch on the agenda today, including a perfect game last night. We've been talking about food all week. How about we talk about drinks this week? Uh, Perry's a Miller Lite guy, and he always has been, as he will continue <laughs> to tell you. So without further ado, though, we get in one of the one of the great ones, former quarterback at Carolina, Perry Worth. What's up, man? Man, it's going well. Another day. Working, coaching ball, getting the Cardinal Newman Cardinals ready to uh, play some football. All right, so you you do know that I coached a year of baseball at Cardinal Newman, don't you? Yes, you told me that. 
I love that. Uh-huh. It's um what yeah. what years was it? Was it at the new campus? I think you said it was, right or no? No, it was in two thousand and nine. It was at the old school on um Forest Drive, yeah. Forest Drive. Me and Mike Darnell, who's at Bishop England. That was an interesting year. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, enjoyed it. You know, I was real nervous at first. I just didn't know what to expect. But uh, they got a great administration. Will Udy is their athletic director. He's an unbelievable soccer coach. They win the state title every year in Skiza. Um, and uh, they're investing into football now, which is super exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got some good players in. And, uh, you know, we hope to, to, somebody's got to try to find a way to close that gap between Hammond and everybody else. And we're, uh, we're going to give it our best. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a program. You talk about a good football coach, Eric Kimry built an absolute uh, monster football program at Hammond and, uh, John Wheeler, who's now the head coach and Jeff Barnes, the AD, former Gamecock offensive lineman. Um, they have pretty much just about the, the cream of the crop football program when it comes to, uh, South Carolina athletics <clears throat> and uh, trying to find a way to close that gap, man. They're, they're a good bunch of dudes too and uh, good coaches. So it makes for great competition. Perry, we're having a little bit of, uh, I can hear you, but it's speeding you up like uh, what are the chipmunks? If maybe you can, um, maybe you can just try refreshing your screen. That might be, that might help. It'll, it'll cancel you out, but you come back in. And uh, and we'll get, but to to Perry's point though, it it is really interesting, guys in Columbia because we just a couple of weeks ago talked to Coach Mangus. Oh, the internet might have killed him off. Oh, there he is. Nope. How about now? Yeah, perfect. All right. I think there was a little echo in here. That now nah, uh, the echo's fine. We're not worried about that. But you were getting sped up like you were related to Alvin. And we don't want you to start singing Christmas tunes. Just no, no. <laughs> that, that happens every now and then. On uh, I think it's the program we use, StreamYard. So it uh, gotcha. it will speed you up a little bit. I had all kinds of internet issues the other day, so uh, yeah. it's not a big deal. But yeah, yeah. It's- Jimmy was talking about we had G- GA on the other day. So man, I mean, you guys, y'all gonna be down and up against each now. other. <laughs> yeah. We're trying. They got us last year when he was at Heathwood. We um. We both had, in my opinion, we both called great games and uh, went down to the wire. We actually were up, or it may have been tied. I can't remember. It was either tied or we were winning, and we muffed a punt on, like, the 10-yard line, and they ended up going in and scoring and winning the game. We were playing Heathwood Hall, and that was a, that was a heartbreaker. We lost a handful of heartbreakers last year, but uh, we returned a, we return a lot, which is positive. Um and uh, yeah, we'll we'll give them hell. We'll do our best. I can tell you that we're gonna we're gonna try to find a way. But we'll see. No, I'm excited. It should be a fun fall. The the ski. Oh. I'll we'll brag on skis. They have done a great job of uh, oh, it's going a long way into football. I tell you, you know, it it gets a bad not bad rep, but like a soft private school rep. But I'll tell you right now, this league has some of the best football coaches that I've ever been around regardless of high school level college you look at Bennett Weigel at um at Ben Lippin obviously John Wheeler at uh at Hammond and um you know the coaches at uh at Trinity are phenomenal LMA they're phenomenal I mean man they, this is just such a 
such an incredible league of, of coaches and, you know, being a private school, you're able to, you can't recruit. Nobody like necessarily like calls a kid on a Friday night and says, Hey man, do you want to come to Cardinal Newman? Um, but when you do good things, kids are like, Hey, you know, I'm not super pleased with where I'm at. And uh, they come looking for other opportunities. So it's a unique, a unique little thing. I love public school. Um, you know, I thought that was super fun getting to do skiza and probably eventually we'll be back in public school. I don't know. I mean, never know what the future looks like. So we'll see. Well, you've got a bright future in coaching. There's, there's no question about that. Um, we're, we're getting closer, Perry, closer to the uh, start of the college football season. Really, we're technically under two months from games. August 26th is when it yeah. uh, gets going. And, um, and you've got Vanderbilt playing that weekend, so the SEC kind of kicks itself off. But we're here to talk about South Carolina. And, and mm-hmm. we were, I think you were probably on with us maybe a month ago or something. And we were talking about the depth of the quarterback room and all those type of things. But yeah. from a quarter, I, you and I probably had this conversation every year at this point in time for the last four or five years, what are quarterbacks doing right now to get ready for September? Shoot. Uh, getting ready to go 4th of July break. You know, this is the dead week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, no, they, uh, they're finishing out the summer one finishing classes. And um, honestly, right now, really looking forward to kind of unplugging and getting away um, and relaxing. This was always a super fun week. Always going back home to Florida and getting back on the beach and hanging out with some high school friends and kind of just being a college kid for a week before you kind of hit um, that, that summer. I'm sorry, that July turn. I, I will tell you that there was always a really odd – the feeling that I had in my gut when and we returned from Florida going back to the summer two session, which is in July. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, when that was kind of like the, okay, football's here, right? We started watching more film. We started um, getting together with receivers to throw routes on air and, uh, you know, at the old bubble back in the day, yeah. um, you know, or, 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 uh, or then, you know, when I was older than, than the new and you started kind of mentally prepping for not only fall camp but for the season ahead. So we, um, you know, it uh, it's an interesting time. You know, hearing a lot of uh, a lot of praise about Lenore Sellers about his growth and development, not only physically but him as a player. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a time where you can work on your speed and your strength and some of the things that will help you be a better player. And then obviously, you know, when you're doing your conditioning, it's an opportunity for you to showcase your leadership leadership skills by, you know, doing your best to win every rep that you can. And, you know, when everybody's bent over and tired and sucking for air, you know, you want to be standing up and showing that, like, hey, like, I can take some pain now. Like, I'm going to be the one leading this charge um, this fall. So I know that that's uh, what all the guys should be doing, and I expect them to. And from anything that I have heard, it's all been nothing but extreme positivity out of out – of, uh, the facility over there. Well, I mean, How, is there yeah. anybody else besides Sellers you've heard anything about as far as the newcomers go? I mean, we we've definitely no, no not definitely heard a lot about him. I think, I think the the talk about Sellers is just how physically impressive he is. The the stature, his build, his um, everything about him. He just we haven't had. And correct me if I'm wrong. You guys have been following South Carolina athletics for a while. I don't. I don't know if we've ever had a quarterback with that physical ability, both run and pass, 
you know, six, three, two, what, two forty something now. Um, running four six. Dondre Dondre Pinkins would be similar size wise, but not. But he could wasn't as fast as uh, as as Sellers, and he didn't have his probably probably he had a strong arm, just wasn't as good wasn't with the touch on the ball. Yeah. yeah, so that would be. Nah, Perry, you're right. I mean, you know, most of the quarterbacks around here have not been like that. So I, I, I think, yeah. I think that's exciting. And, and, and my second question on that is just, you know, put your coaching hat on or your just football, normal football. If you look at the the game in college, you know, his skill set seems to be, and I know we we got a season to play. This is Spencer Rattler's year, right? Yeah. But his skill set seems to be when you look at the quarterbacks that have elevated programs through the years, like Dak Prescott, uh, Cam Newton for the one year at uh, Auburn, Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I, I could go on and on and on. Even even Stetson Bennett, I think you could throw into the elevation category to a certain extent. He he seems to be that type of guy that could beat you a number of ways that that, that can just scare the you know what out of a, out of a, a D coordinator. Uh, because you know, even if he's not, you know, even if you try to tackle him, he can he can break the tackle. I mean, he's that yeah. big and physical, uh, and then lightning fast. I mean, uh, so so do you, I'm not saying I don't want anybody to nobody should like pronounce him the savior of the program right now. That's too much on him. But just in terms of skill set, from what I see and see if you agree, this is the type of guy that if he maximizes his ability, uh, that can really put the program on his shoulders and or, or any program and, and get it to that next level. I mean, I, heck, I think if he'd gone to Syracuse, you could say that about Syracuse, but uh, yeah, no doubt. just skill set wise, what, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Skill set wise. He, he, there's no question. He could be a program changer. Um, absolutely. Now he still needs to go and take care of the football, which is the one X factor that we, none of us know, not even the coaches or Lenoris knows until he gets out there on the field. Um, mm-hmm. But the best thing for, Rattler, I'm sorry, four sellers is having Rattler having a year to be here and not be rushed out onto the field and go save games. Now, if, if Rattler goes down and he's the backup, then yeah, by default. But I feel like in the last decade, we've gotten a high recruit freshman with ability that we felt the need to push and rush out onto the field for numerous reasons, right? Whether right, right wrong, or indifferent. Different. That's just the reality of it, and a big reason why I coach, a big reason why I train quarterbacks is because I believe that quarterbacks are not developed properly. I think they're a little different. They have to be brought on and groomed and not just tossed out to the field and say, hey, good luck, go win this game. It's just it's such a challenging game. And you know, To answer your question on or, or give a response on his ability, the college game, um, defensive defensive line in this conference is so talented that you have to be able to move if you want to be successful at this position. You don't have to be crazy fast or Lamar Jackson, but you've got to be able to move to make the throws that you need, right? Whether it be RPO, whether it be um, moving the pocket, whether it be just simply moving around the pocket and having out, off-platform throws and being accurate. So... Um, you know, his ability provides um, a lot of, of uh, diversity. Now, I'll tell you, by looking at him and having watched him play, I mean, he was a drop-back guy. And that they ran him because he was the best 
player on the field, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go ahead and just slap a dual threat on him. I think that he is a passer that can run. Um, that that would be my that would be my angle. Perry, uh, as it pertains to Dowell Loggins, Loggins, what what's important about a quarterbacks coach when you've got a bunch of really talented guys? but they can all do something a little bit different. I mean, they're all, of course, different ages, different maturity levels in college football, understanding of collegiate offenses and stuff like that. But what's important, you're a coach now, about having a coordinator and a quarterback's coach who understands how to manage all of that? How do you do it? Yeah, it, it's certainly a lot. I think the number one thing that, that I try to do, and obviously I'm not a Division One. SEC play caller, but I try to make things as simple as possible. The ones steering the ship. Um, if they are in a funk, your offense is more than likely going to follow that. Um, the easiest thing, you know, in, in, in my view is, is you want to get your playmakers with the ball in their hand in space. However you've got to do it. I think Sarkeesian does about as good as anybody with some of his orbit motions or his orbit return motions where he'll send a guy in motion and send him right back out catching, throw a quick throw or double moves or different things like that to to get them with space. You know, obviously you're going to have your basic passing concepts, right, your drop back world that you, you're going to have to be good in. Um, but you know, getting those playmakers and all the abilities that uh, all these kids have you know, getting uh, allowing them to to maximize ability with the ball in space is huge, and I think Rattler does a really good job of that. Um, and then when Sellers comes along, or whoever comes in, every, it, everything's going to be slightly tailored to who you have behind um, behind shotgun, and and uh, and as it should be, because like I said when we started this, I mean, we follow how our quarterbacks play, right? I'm not gonna if I've got a heavy footed not super athletic or mobile guy. I'm not going to get in there and run power read with the guy, right? But um, you know, it all starts with the quarterback. I'll leave it at that. All right. I want to bring something into play that we talked to Brad Crawford about yesterday. You know who Brad Crawford is with 24-7 Sports, and I think Brad does a really good job. This is his time of the year. He's he's one of the kings of talking season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, he, he's got, he's got um, a lot of – good things to say from his point of view and want to credit him on that about Spencer Rattler. We carried on a conversation yesterday. Phil and I did after, uh, after Brad was on our program about how, you know, pretty much every other program in the sec, when they have a game changer at quarterback, they are always, Hey, because they have this guy at quarterback, they can go beat anybody. They can go beat anybody. They can go beat anybody. Don't care who it is. Will Rogers under Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Whatever it is, you, you, there's always a guy or two every year that if this quarterback plays great on this particular day, they can win that game. So this is kind of a bold question, and you can sidestep it if you need to, but maybe answer it as thoroughly as you as you feel like you can. Can Spencer Rattler beat anybody on the schedule in 2023, as talented as he is? Yes. I, I, I believe so. I think with the weapons, I've been saying this all offseason, whether for Cardinal Newman or um, or South Carolina, anytime you return a quality quarterback and a head coach, you've got an opportunity to win win some games. 
Um, there's something about, obviously, the head coach goes without saying, but having the quarterback back as, like, the coach on the field. Um, and I know he's not out there playing defense, but the defense even rallies around the way the quarterback plays, too. So, um, and he has the ability. I mean, we saw it last year, what he did against Tennessee. I mean, there was no way any of us could have logically come up with a reason of how South Carolina could beat Tennessee other than you just had garnet goggles on and we're saying, Oh, we're going to win. Cause I love the Gamecocks. Well, that's not a valid logical reason. Right. Um, and you just sat there and you looked at what you had seen through the first nine, 10 games and for both teams. And you just sat there and you're like, there's no way. I mean, there's no way, mm-hmm. you know, we went down to Florida the seven days before that. It looked like we took a week off of practice, right? And back the next week, and you look like, you know, the 2001 St. Louis Rams, and, uh, you know, it just was puzzling. Um, and then, you know, the, the then to follow back up with uh, the way that he was able to respond after a couple errant interceptions at Clemson and finish out that game strong. Just a lot of positive momentum, and even the way he played in the bowl game with guys out and down, and um, you know, there's a lot of positive. He should he should roll out there against North Carolina with a lot of momentum and, and confidence that anytime I'm lacing it up, I've got an opportunity to win. I think you just said something that is incredibly important, and I'd really like you to expand on it a little bit. The early struggles in the Clemson game, and the fact that it was like it was like baseball. You know, in baseball, you cannot carry your offensive performance out on defense and vice versa. You got to be able to forget about it and move on. That's anything in sports, and I understand that. That's just how my brain works. But the numbers he put up in the last two games of the regular season, clearly in addition to what he did at Notre Dame, he made some throws in the Notre Dame game. <laughs> like the ball in the corner to, to Leggett. I mean, come on. You, you know. But but the, the early things that happened in that Clemson game, Perry, when the traditional – mentality of at least the fans of Gamecock football are like, oh, my God, here we go. This is going to be yeah. a long day. Yep. And it wasn't. I mean, he turned it on like a light switch. How do, how much do you think he grew in those moments in that game as a football player? Well, I think – I don't know him personally, um, but I think it, it goes back to the culture of the program that – you're allowed to make a mistake, um, but it's all about your response to the mistake is what actually really matters. Where at Oklahoma, he made a mistake, and it was like, all right, Caleb Williams, you're in. Well, here, it was like, hey, you're our guy, and we're riding with you kind of hell or high water. And yeah. allowing him to fail but still showing confidence in someone, then all it takes is a couple of good, decent plays. You string a few plays together, your confidence comes back up, and you score, and you're like, all right, those plays are over. Now let's play football. Um, that, that's at least what I saw. And so get, getting that player back with the mental capabilities to take one play at a time and brush all the negativity out and just keep playing, tied in with his ability, tied in with, with the guys around him. I mean, it should be, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to break Dylan Thompson's you know, season record. Do we have the guys around him to do it? The answer is yes. Um, so I'm really excited to see. I mean, I've heard nothing but great things about Coach Loggins. Everybody loves the guy. They really like his offense. It's 
very unique to what the players were doing before, which, you know, statistically, and even with the eye test, you know, we, that's what you would want to hear that we're, we're going to be doing things a, a bit different. We have two minutes left with you. So I want to get as much as we can. What you mentioned, the offense, what have you learned about Dallas offense? I think it's just creative. There's a lot of, the red zone, which I was talking when we played at the South Carolina seven on seven tournament last week with a couple of the guys that are on staff, they just, it brings in an added dimension. Just like, you know, when you go from high school to college, there's a lot, there's a whole new world of, of plays and ideas and strategies. And then just like it is in the NFL and getting um, somebody with that type of mind and bringing it to the college game, um, it, it suits what we do and the players that we have on offense really well. And, um, different concepts that maybe some of these guys on, you know, in the college teams that we play haven't seen, right? Different route combinations, you know, defenses like to do a lot of pattern matching because they're used to seeing certain route combos. And so if you're doing different formations and different looks and running different routes that people haven't seen, you're, you're going you're gonna to shock some people. So um, I'll be intrigued to see what, that looks like come the North Carolina game. Yeah, and, and I'll be interested to see how they utilize the running back room too, Perry, because you've got – I don't know if you have a bell cow back there, at least as it stands today, doesn't appear so. Could. Might be to carry on joiner. He might be getting 20 carries a game. I don't know. But what we do know is that all the guys that are back there catch the football as well, and I'm sure that's going to be a part of his offense. Yeah. No, I think that uh, it has to be. You've got to you've got to maximize not only all of your players, but I think utilizing the running back in the passing game is huge because he's just such a forgotten position. Um, and watching how the NFL uses the running back, whether it be out of the backfield or moving and motioning him to the slot or to the hip of the tackle, yep. um, it, you're going to get matchups that you like. And when you get quick guys, you, you can beat them uh, on linebackers. And then if you put them in the slot and you have safeties rotate, taking down on them, they can typically a bigger frame to, to make some catches. So it'll be um, – I'll be intrigued to see what it looks like. You know, I don't know the ins and the outs of it, but, you know, watching the games on TV or, or at Williams-Brice or wherever they are, um, I'll be intrigued to see um, and, and, uh, and get a gauge on, on who they want to be offensively. That's the number one thing I want to see is I want to know, like, are we going to have an identity? You're not going to score 50 points. I'm not going to say you can't score 50 points a game. You're not going to score 100 points a game, but <laughs> as long as you can have, as long as you have an identity of, hey, this is who we are, this is what we're good at, with a few other variations and wrinkles, I think, I think that um, you know, you're going to develop consistency on your offense, which will in turn help them play faster and free, which will lead to better results. Well, We'll just uh, we'll take we'll take the low number on that, Perry. Let's just hope they score fifty points a game. This yeah, 50, year. that would probably let me tell you fifty points a game. I like our chances. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. pretty much every game we play. Every game we play. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. Hey, we'll let you run on that note. Thank you for squeezing us in, my friend. Um, you know, I'm a few weeks away from it, but I'll be up there to bring the kids to the zoo and going to play some golf with Demarco. So I'd love to see you um, when we get to town. And yep. um, and. Uh, yep. We'll work to have you back on here as soon as we can. Happy 4th of July, my man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Y'all take care. Thanks, brother. There you go. Perry Orth, former quarterback.
at uh, the University of, of South Carolina. And I know that we were having a couple of technical issues there, but I think you all could, for the most part, understand uh, what he was saying. All right, we got to hit a timeout because we're overdue for that. So let's do it. We'll recap some of what we just talked about with Perry. And uh, we will continue to um, to work our way into football season. Got some baseball stuff to get to as well, including what some of these coaches I, – I spoke with one this morning – what they're doing in the transport portal, this is this has got to change. This is crazy. Uh, so we'll kind of dish out some of that as well. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Bondo Co. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jacob Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you in the first hour by Cindy Sirvoss and the Colwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call at 864-414-5271 for all your upstate residential real estate needs. 
Yeah, coming out of that interview with Perry, sorry about the technical issues, but there's very little that we can do to adjust the audio in studio on, here. So on well, especially on their end. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there is one thing that's the I was messing with the echo cancellation, like when you were speaking versus when he wasn't. That's when it kind of cleared up a bit, but we could hear some background noise. But nah, well, we tried. <laughs> it happens, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. He he said some really interesting stuff too, um, because you know he's he's a one of the things that I always like about JC. I think we've talked about this before. Um, is former quarterbacks who've played in, a, in an elite level who who get into coaching um, because you know some of them don't. Some of it doesn't pan out, um, but the guys that do hang around and you know they train quarterbacks or they're calling plays like Perry Orth is or whatever it may be. You know they they get to see the game from a different lens. I, I remember when I got into coaching after playing baseball. And understanding that you're now in charge of a group of people and you're not just in charge of yourself anymore, right? And so you have to find a way, like, you, you try to utilize the things that helped you learn and then try to figure out a way, like, how how, how can I regurgitate this information to where they're going to maximize what, what I'm saying um, and be able to and, – and all those type things, form, formulate your own style of coaching. But he's one of the ones we have him on a lot because he's pretty good at it. And, um, and you know, he was talking about being able to utilize strengths and stuff like that. Isn't that exactly what Pat DeMarco said last week right here? He said the same thing. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. how they know both. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it make you feel a little bit better – that while we're all football guys, we're also fringe football guys. And then you get the quote unquote experts in, so to speak. And it's almost like they're saying it without saying it. Like all the things that we saw last year, they're like, Hey, we saw the same thing you did. Let's, let's use the best players we have and utilize their strengths, especially on offense in order to do something good. Yeah, the former guy was about players, not like plays, not players. And no, nobody, I mean, maybe in the NFL, if you have a great system, that's what it is because you can go sign guys that you can fit in. I mean, uh, looking back, and this is in hindsight, the dumbest thing I ever heard was when they started talking about the Los Angeles Rams. Um, the Rams have a very unique system to the NFL. Uh they, from everything, from what they try to do and what, the, what they make their offensive line do in the run game uh, to the receivers having to block abnormally a whole lot uh, to the usage of the tight end. And you look at South Carolina last year, and it's like, you don't have those guys. I mean, you, no. you, you know, you, you, and with the Rams, you, you've got uh, Matt Stafford back there, and Spencer Rattler's got a big arm like Matt, no, pro- no problem there. But you know you're you're lining up a Marion Brown out there at receiver. He's not going to be able to block like a like these NFL guys that they go find uh, who are good blockers who you have to do be to be part of that organization. Uh, and then it's like uh, you know you don't really have you know the ability on the offensive line to pull like you're doing. I mean, there's plays where the tackle has to come seal off the pull and seal off the end on the other side. Well. With the Rams, you got a guy that probably started at Iowa for four years that's nimble, that runs 4-7, that's a first or second round pick. 
at South Carolina, you, you got Sedarius, or, or I'm sorry, a Tyshawn Wanamaker or, you know, Jalen Nichols or whoever. And nothing against those guys, but they're not at that level yet. Uh, and so the intricacies of that offense were, were a disaster. Um, and then the way it's set up, I mean, it was just, it was terrible. So, you know, I, uh, I, uh, just, um, you know, my thing is, 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 is this is a lot simpler approach. As I've said before, Dowell Loggins, it, it scared everybody, and it, it, uh, including me, I was skeptical because it was in my position, you know, uh, it's hard to sell that, you know, after, after a, a quote unquote pro style guy leaves, and you get a guy that's been in the NFL and he has no college track record. He didn't wasn't all that great in the NFL statistically uh, and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, the more you hear about it, the more it's totally different. Number one, Dowell Loggins spent 20 years in the NFL. Okay. The, the other guy spent one getting coffee. Well, okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so you're telling me you're going to come back like, and I've used this analogy before. It's like, the community theater star going off and being an extra uh, in Ozark or whatever, and then coming back to community theater and telling everybody how to do their job. Because this is the way they do it in Hollywood. You know, those community theater people, I mean, you're sitting there trying to put on the King and I, uh, and that's pretty simple. You know, choreography simple. The songs are catchy and you try to do choreography. Like it's uh, like, it's uh, one of those, um, you know, Moulin Rouge movies or something by that. The Hans, what's his name? Bonds, Bonds, the Dread Bonds, whatever. I mean, it's just not going to fly. And, you know, so unlike him, I mean, Dowell has been in Hollywood. He's been in Hollywood 20 years, been around the block. Uh, and he's coming back and, 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 and not, I'm convinced the guy wants to be a head coach in college. That's what, that's what I think. I mean, he's never told me that. I don't know that for sure. But when you kind of look at what he did, he didn't just come back and say, I am here. I have, you know, coordinated NFL offenses for 20 years. Please kiss my ring and let me go to work with my 50-page playbook and all that. God bless Adam Gase. No. Uh, he went and was a, an analyst at Penn State. Oh, and then his alma mater called. He's a hog for life, you know. So, heck, well, go to coach tight ends there and learn Kendall Browse stuff, you know. Uh, Kendall Browse doesn't have nearly the resume Dowell Loggins does when you talk about overall football. But he learned, and there's a lot of that stuff in this offense that he took. Yeah. He took from Arkansas and Penn State. It's not, you know, the, you know, it's not the Adam Gase offense at, at all. And you can tell that in the spring game. So this is not a guy that, like, you know, let's say all that crap that Sat tried to do did work out. Carolina had a fantastic offense, uh, and let's say Matt Rule instead of going to Nebraska had taken another coaching job or had succeeded, got another year with the Panthers and had an OC opening. You don't think Satterfield would have crawled on his belly through glass to go back to the NFL. That's what that's how he was coaching this team, like so he could go and, and set up and he could set himself up for this and oh look at my brilliant play I designed it on film. And instead of just saying, Okay, it looks a lot better. You know, nobody knows what the how intricate the play is, as long as it works. Just go let it work. And I think we found out in the last two games of the regular season with when he did that, he wasn't a bad like actual play caller. He actually could call the plays, you know, um, but, it, you know, but then you hear the same thing. I mean, I, I doubt he would have changed because you hear the same thing in Nebraska now about, well, oh, oh, God, this is complex and blah, 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 blah. It's never worked in college football. Complex offenses never work. You can uh, you can ask anybody from David Cutcliffe to Steve Spurrier 
to Urban Meyer, Dan Mullen, none of those people run anything that's crazy. And I'll tell you who does, you know, schools that average seven points a game. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and, and I, th- I mean, also, it, but you've also, we've gone, let's see, Dow got here in January. So we've, we're talking about six months of, and now generally, generally you don't hear things, but positivity, right? Generally when you hire a new coach, you're going to hear a bunch of fluff. You're always going to hear that. Um, but JC, you know as well as I do, if not much better than I do, that for two years we we heard from the right people, the people that we trust in this program, that there were issues, and and you know couldn't necessarily prove it, but some of the things that were said to you, to me, and and a lot of other people were, yeah, you know. Basically, I just don't know that this is going to work. Um, you know, from a from a human to human standpoint, the way that guys got along um, under the previous leadership on offense, uh, just to the 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 actual system itself, there were just a lot of red flags. But but to be fair to all of that, there was there was also some some positivity, and there was also some glass half full of, hey, here's the thing. And we heard it throughout the season, right? You would hear this all the time. We're just this close. We're just this close. Man, If it, just this, just that, here and there, whatever it was. And I don't think that they were wrong when they were saying that. The problem was they were seemingly always just that close, and it never worked in addition to the fact that you had a guy leading uh, a, a group of people where while the large majority of them didn't have an issue with him, um, some of them did. And I'm not sure exactly how much "quote unquote" love was in that room. Transferring forward to Coach Logan, since he's been there, it's been lockstep. Everything that has come out of that building, and it's from like at least the sources that I have, people who would say, "Yeah, but you know, hey, you can say this, but don't say this publicly." Okay, right? No, no, there's been none of that. It's like now I'm not saying it's a guarantee the offense is going to work. I don't know if the offense is going to work. I'm not an offensive coordinator. I have no clue. But what I'm saying is the first six months of this thing, they all seemingly – like he gets them and they get him, and I think that was a big problem that put them behind the eight ball for a while. Absolutely. I mean, and look, it's hard when you when you keep talking about how close you are. Yeah, here, here's the translation. He got in the film room and put it all back on the guys. Oh, well, if you'd have just done this – this play would have gone this well. Every play in, in, in that any coach has ever called is supposed yeah. to it's designed to score a touchdown. And you heard and you heard the kids saying that in their press conferences every week. Yeah, oh, we're just really close. We're, well, we're that's so because close. there's too there's too much to process. So, and the least little thing, the more intricate your plays are, uh, the more complicated they are. Uh, the more it's like a, pulling a pin out of a out of something. I mean, it's like an airplane. And I've used the airplane analogy before. You know, you look at some air disasters throughout history. Um, it's usually just like one little thing. You know, somebody, some screw got loose and the damn tail fell off. You know, you can't, you can't have that. It just like with airplanes, uh, when that happens, they go, well, we need a backup system in case this happens again. And we need to do screw, you know, they examine it and move forward. There was no examination. It was either, all right, you get all this crap or you don't. And when you have 23 word play calls, you know, you could be in a zone 
and the going about on the field, and then you get something in, and one little thing goes wrong, boom, it's a turnover. That's right. Or one little thing goes wrong, and you're, you, it's a penalty. Uh, or you're, and you're behind the scenes. And that's how that offense was until the last two games when finally here is the play sheet, call from this play sheet, do not deviate, and go fast. And you see what happened. Yeah. Um, and so that that's the thing. And, and look, I, I'll say this too. If you look at the totality of the Satterfield era, because uh, people will bark back at you, well, they had some games where they scored a bunch of points and won. Yes. Sure. Okay. But here's the difference. Did they ever – but outside of the Clemson game this past year, which was an outlier because we know kind of what the setup was for that one. It was just like Tennessee. Besides those two games, uh, was there ever a game he called where Carolina went up and down the field and scored a bunch of points on offense where the Gamecocks were not running the ball almost at will with base run plays? Right. Think about this. Florida and, and, and – what are his wins? Florida, Auburn, North Carolina the first year – Carolina ran all over those guys. Quandre White, Kevin Harris, you name it. Um, you know, this past season, Kentucky, the game, Marshawn Lloyd had a really good game. Uh, you know, Juice Wells called a, a screen and went however many yards. You know, uh, the game cuts were able to establish Texas A&M. Lloyd was able to establish a run. Once they lost Lloyd, you know, uh, you know, with the exception, the, the Vanderbilt game looked pretty cool. But then he goes right back to, you know, then he cha- reinvents the wheel again against Florida. It's a disaster. That was the last straw. Um, it, it, what you have to do if you're a good offensive coordinator in college football is, okay, they're scheming to stop the run. They've got eight in the box. Let's just – we can. The, the answer play-wise is probably something simple, like a slant, something like that. Back them off. You know, people think Steve Spurrier had, you know, that his playbook was like a beautiful mind. Uh, it wasn't. I've seen it. It's on the internet. Real simple. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 only, the only the, and, and, he, and especially for quarterbacks, the complex thing with him is there's so many like the receivers took a little while. That's why you didn't see Alshon Jeffrey out there till game three. Everybody thought Spurrier Jr. was an idiot. Well, you know, in Spurrier's offense, you have what you call option routes. In other words, Alshon runs. Okay, if it's if you if you're the receiver and you read cover two, you're going to run this. If you read cover three, you're going to run that. And everybody's got to be on the same page. That's why you have people running wide open because it was like a like an option well, offense, but with the receivers. And, yeah, and lots and, of NFL teams run that and stuff. But 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 for a receiver, once you get it down, you get it. You get right, you know. And, and yeah, uh, it, we got to be fair too, because Spurrier. I mean, it's hard to compare anybody to Steve because he sure. All those guys, I mean, you know, I know 200 guys that played for Steve well, and they'll all tell you the same thing. He'll just call them over to the sideline and say, hey, look, instead of doing – I mean, he'll he'll make it up. He would make it up and just say, instead of doing this, just do this. You'll be open. All right. Okay. Hey, Blake, throw it there. Just throw it to that spot. I promise you he'll be open. Nobody's going to be standing in front of him. Okay. Steven, do the same. You know, it didn't matter who it was. And they, but But, I mean, to your point, though, and the thing with, like, the thing with a good offensive coordinator's offense, JC, and this I felt like this is pretty understood, but like you you might have a bad game. <laughs> it's okay. You might get beat. That's all right. That's gonna happen too. You might have multiple bad games. But like that's not reflective of this type of system that you have. His offense last year was reflective of the type of system that he had day in and day out until the last couple of weeks of the year when you already hit the nail on the head earlier. He turned it into players, not plays. Where are my best players? How can we get them the football? And how can we eliminate this crap? And they went into that game with about 20 plays 
from, you know, four or five different sets so they could run them out of if they needed to. Mm-hmm. They eliminated the BS, for those that never heard of this, of putting in a new play every week. You couldn't run the plays that you were running. Why were you putting a new one in every week? And that didn't even make sense. You know, yeah. so – you know, they got rid of that stuff, and, and like I see someone in the chat box a minute ago said, I don't think Sat was calling the plays. I hate to bust, he, called bust it. he was calling the plays, you know. But, That's why, yeah. But the actual – Yeah, and see, here, in other words, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think the guy's a bad play caller. I think he, 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 like, punches himself in the face. I, I think, you know, it's self-inflicted wounds. Because uh, in his mind, he's like, oh, well, th- this defense would – is vulnerable to uh, you know the twenty enter your twenty three random words, but the kids can't run it. Yeah, uh, and so then everybody else is dumb, right? You well, know, as, you got as they four said, guys blocking this way and one blocking that yeah, way. I mean, you're asking your life. so. It, but but yeah, what <laughs> they did was they got to they yeah. got together as a staff and said, "What do our kids do best? Here's what they do best, and just let them go play and no yeah. pressure, just go play." And you see how that paid off. Uh, two that's straight games Beamer for that too. Yeah. yeah that, and that's Shane Beamer. Shane probably should have done it earlier. And it probably, he probably knows that, but when, in terms of, uh, uh, logins though, they're, they're going to keep the, they're going to call it a pro style offense, but you know, and this is kind of what I thought they were getting with Satterfield. Cause I was like, no way he's bringing an actual NFL playbook down from the Panthers. He was only there for a year. No, no. He brought the whole enchilada and then some. Uh, that the difference is that Watkins uh, has come back and learned how colleges work. I mean, he's, he sat here and studied it. He's a bright guy. I mean, you don't last that long in the NFL and keep getting rehired uh, if you don't know ball, right? But he's a bright guy. So he's smarter than, than, than you know, outsmarting himself, so to speak. And it's going to be called a pro-style offense, but and you're going to have some pro-style elements. But look, the definition of that these days is not – necessarily eye formation play action under center a whole bunch. Uh, you yeah. Look at the, the NFL teams that are good. Uh, it's RPO, uh, creative sets, play calls, you know, whatever. Um, and, and Satterfield, the hilarious thing about it is if, if, you, if you're going through good NFL offenses, right, the last NFL team I'm going to decide to build a college offense around is the damn Rams. Because that is the one that you need pro players to, to run. You yeah, know, exactly. you, you take you, you know what Andy Reid does at the Chiefs and, and those guys? They took a bunch from Mike Leach and the yeah. air raid. They they run a bunch of air raid stuff out of that stuff. Oh great. You know, if, if oh, so why not go you got Spencer Rattler? What what makes you think you're gonna you're, you're gonna run the Rams I, I mean, it, it just makes made no sense. And no. so and- and there's a difference in pulling components from it or something, blocking schemes or a play or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you're going to learn those things. You implement them into your offense. Uh, by the way, yeah, Phil, it, we'll, it, just, we'll just double up since we're at 11.53. So no, just double up it, it, just a second. I, I don't even think it was so much the play calling as the as the game planning and the plays. You know, well, and I, I think, I think on paper, every, everything's supposed brutal. Yeah, I mean, he would get frustrated and do like whatever. You, you, but, JC, you know that you can't. You, you have to – if you're going to throw the football, that's fine. You can't have 80% of your throws at or behind the line of scrimmage. You can't do it. Not in this league. The players are too fast. No. Like, you've got to throw the football down the field. And I'm not saying 30, 40, 50, 60 yards. But, like, you've got to have some sort of downfield passing game, and that's what Dow Loggins is introducing. And then against 
Florida, it was clear. And then you, you watch Florida play other games uh, throughout the season. And, I mean, my God, LSU threw it all over them. A&M threw it all over them, even though they lost. Uh, Florida State threw it all over them. Uh, and they came into that game with Carolina bound and determined to just stop the run. And they kept running it right into that big front that they couldn't block. There was no, uh, you know, and then these little short passes. And, and, and I mean, there, there was no, look, I'm just saying that with a different play caller and a different offense this year, this offense is different. Uh, and it is, and it is new. And it's, it's something that, you know, all things go great. People will be talking about the Dowell Loggins offense because it's different than other other offenses, right? And I think you have to be different at South Carolina. And I think you're going to see more quarterback run as we move forward. I think Spencer will run it more this year. And I think after yeah, that, dude. it's definitely going to happen. So, um, you know, you got to get them out of the box, like Krigger just said in the, in the chat box. Yeah, everybody knows that. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. except except Marcus Satterfield. I mean, and it's just like well, you can't and then force it's like the you issue. go to the Tennessee game and the Clemson game, and that's one of the things that he did specifically with Spencer. And I know that that was a collective effort that week that week from the coaching staff to figure out Michael Flint. We talked about this every week with Michael for two years, and he is dead on about it. You've got to find if if you don't feel like you're he's going to be comfortable in the box, the quarterback specifically here. Get him you, out. You've got to reset the pocket somewhere. And if you and, go and back look, and look at the Clemson game, that that ball that he threw to Juice, he, he rolls yards, yeah. and he sets yeah. and he threw it. I mean, it was that's not going to work every time. I get it, but well, you've got to be knowing to dial that up, and you got to be able to get him out. And he did it. And I'm not an expert. That's just that's that's pretty common sense football 101 when you can't control the pocket. And see, once you go downfield like that, you know, that you notice after after they completed that pass, they ate Clemson up with wide receiver screens. Like they could not yeah, stop absolutely. juice. I mean, because they back off. They may, mm-hmm. yeah, you gotta yeah, oh God, we better we better back off or it's another touchdown. So it's uh it's one of those things where it's you know, there there weren't a lot of plays to set up other plays and stuff like that. And, and look, some of that stuff's overrated. I think when Kurt Roper were here, not to bring up another bad offensive coordinator, he almost tried too much. Uh, And I'm like, well, you don't have time to sit there and trick somebody all day and then have take one shot, especially with a a young quarterback like Jake was, you know, I mean, like, but, but he would do it and it would be open and then there would be a misfire and everybody would freak out over one incompletion because that office just wasn't going anywhere. Um, Yes. I I don't know. I I thought that, uh, you know, there's always going to be the question as to who called the plays the last two games of the season. It no, was there Satterfield. There's not a question. It was Marcus. Yeah, it was Satterfield. I mean, there, there's no question. But three, they, they, three of the offensive coaches on that yeah. staff who have no reason to hide that information told me directly that he was calling the plays. And everybody's Let's like, just well, say, well, maybe he had some help. He had, they all have help every game. That's why they have headsets on. Yes. Yeah. Let's just say he wasn't necessarily running his preferred offense. How about that? He was, yeah. he was he running the, the uh, yes. if you're talking about like first grade reading books, uh, <laughs> he was, he was on or, or third grade elementary school. He, he was, he was trying to read moonbeams and they sent it back to bears, balloons and boats. Yeah, y'all remember that? Look, we don't have to like the guy. You can be happy that he's gone, whatever it is. But I have zero problem giving credit where credit is due. He called the plays. He deserves the credit. He called the plays. Period. The end. And it doesn't matter anymore uh, because he's gone. And they won both of those games. And 
they scored 94 points in two games against top five teams. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and I, I, I thought the offense in the, in the first half against Notre Dame looked fine. But, I mean, my God, you, you sit there and you start thinking about who all they ended up missing. You know, they were missing Brooks and Van. See, Brooks and Van, Xavier Leggett, uh, Maureen Brown, Eddie Lewis, whoever, name your guy, okay? Those guys were kind of underrated contributors because you had and, – and people ask what happened against Tennessee – well, against Tennessee, Josh Van and Jalen Brooks were making plays. When and then Juice got one-on-one coverage, and it was over. I mean, and Tennessee's defensive backfield was terrible anyway. Uh, just a, they were a bunch of guys that loved to talk crap, but didn't do much, right? right. <laughs> uh, what was the but, one kid's name that kept talking, and he kept getting embarrassed? I for, I'd forgotten his name. I was so, literally. Uh, I kept looking. I'm like, when's this guy? It's we're three quarters in. They've hung fifty points on the board. Is he? He's still chirping. Sure. You're down by four touchdowns. Like, yeah, I mean, but, but think think about this, guys. Jalen Brooks was not playing in the bowl. Uh, Josh Van was not in the bowl. You know, uh, yeah, you know, Juice was. But then Juice and Nate Atkins were, and, and things were humming right along. But keep in mind, Juice had a leg injury in the first half. Y'all remember? Yeah, and, and he he was hot. Well, and Nate and, and Nate limited. went down. And then Nate yeah, goes and then down. Nate goes so down. You basically only have Xavier Leggett, you know, and, and they're running guys in and out, and you know you don't have uh, you don't have your starting running back. Uh, so, so, yeah, it was look that game being that. as close as it was was a testament to the program, you know. Yeah, it was, uh, when it was, you really think about the, the, the guys that are missing and and to Spencer Rattler, and when you mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, JB, about people saying if if he's at quarterback, you have a chance. That Notre Dame game is an example of that because Rattler Absolutely. was so good until you got one dimensional or whatever that, that he was a big difference. I mean, my God, that that early play where he faked it and they threw it to Atkins right down the middle of a beautiful play call. That oh, was unbelievable. Beautiful, but but the execution on it, he had guys flying at him and then boom, thirty yards. Uh, so so there there you go, and and you hope that you get that Spencer Rattler. Moving forward, and quite frankly, I think in an offense that makes more sense, where everybody's on the same page, where they're not confused with 25, 28-word play calls, that's going to, to probably be a realistic thing to happen this year. Got to go to break. It's going to be a long one because we missed one. Uh, it is noon, and we've got an hour in the books. Plenty still on football ahead. we got some baseball to get to. I did talk to Monty this morning. Their days are nuts. I mean, their days are nuts. It's just ridiculous. As we go to break, I'll read the last two headlines I saw on Twitter. This is a crazy world out there. Babysitter accused of showing kids how to snort drugs. And then the next one. Seattle homeowner uses samurai sword to fight off pitchfork-wielding burglar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hope you all are having a thirsty Thursday. We'll be right back. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. 
Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options and go Cox. Welcome to travelingcountryclub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to travelingcountryclub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. See it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line. And I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one-price, low-cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs. And I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So, yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show garnet and black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! 
You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com Oh, welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show, second hour of the show on a Thursday. Yes, unfortunately, somebody thought it was Friday in the chat box. I hate when that happens, and then you get so rudely interrupted, you know. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow night, man, the Chief, I've already gotten a photo of uh, of those guys over on Daniel Island, so I can't wait to get over and see them. This will be number 25 for me, 25 oh, in fun. 19 years, seeing her at church, not bad. Um Talked to Monty this morning. Let me. Uh, I I made sure I put this in my notes so I could remember it. This is what they're doing. Like, if 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 these guys miss on players, it's not because they're not doing everything that they can possibly do to get guys. It's just because guys sometimes want to go somewhere else for whatever reason it is. Sleep about four hours, wake up, refresh the portal on your phone, Google every kid that goes in, message them to get their phone number, work hard to set up a visit, all day, every day, rinse, repeat. (laughs) I said, well, what do you, I mean, do you eat or what else do you do? He's like, not really. Not really. I mean, you know, they're going to bed late at night because you got to remember some of these kids are West Coasters. Coach, I can talk now. It's 10 o'clock. Nine o'clock, whatever, whatever it is. And they have literally looked at every kid that's entered the portal. There's like 3,000 kids in the portal in college baseball. And, um, Monty and King and now Matt and those, those guys, like they are just grinding. It is, I think Jan mentioned it earlier at the top of the show that it could be the demise of college athletics. It could be. Because they're look, I'm not going to speak to the other guys. I've known Monty for 30 years, so I can speak to him. He he's a he's a guy who can coach pro ball. That's what he was planning to do before he came to South Carolina. Go out there and work with the Dodgers. There's a lot of JC. You know this as well as anybody. There's a lot of college football coaches who have been teetering on how long do I want to do this, or do I want to keep coaching and let's just go to pro ball and do it. There's also a lot of young coaches who have gotten in and decided, yeah, this is not coaching ball. Dealing with transfer portals and NILs and this, that, and the other because there's nothing that controls it all. I know that there's some, uh, I don't know if y'all saw this or not, but um, there is a proposal up to the NCAA to cut the transfer portal window from 60 days to 30 days which would be fantastic because these guys need it. They're spending Christmas on the phone. I mean, that's a, that's a joke. And, um, and, but these coaches, you know, for the love of the game, I mean, college athletics, I feel like is the best level in any sport to coach. 
And when all you do is spend every waking moment re-recruiting your own roster and reading the internet all day long to see what guys are jumping into the portal. Oh, by the way, you also have to recruit high school kids. And then they're asking about NIL money and this, that, and the other. It takes away the actual, you know, coaching side of this where you actually, you know, coach. Uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. But uh, I know the Gamecocks are doing everything they can to continue to improve uh, South Carolina baseball's roster. But I, I found that very interesting this morning. I said, I'm going to pass that along because it's – it's a grind every day. Oh, yeah. The fo- football basketball goes the same way. I mean, uh, I-, I thought – I was surprised somebody didn't, like, just quit. Uh, you know, some coach somewhere at some school just quit in December uh, because there's just so much going on. I mean, it, it, I don't know how – as a human, most, most of these Crazy. guys have families and stuff. I don't know how you handle it. but uh, I don't either. I, and I don't care about the money. Like, you get that response a lot. Well, these guys make a ton of money. Okay. Do you have kids? Because a lot of people that say that don't, and they don't understand. Yeah. Like, yeah. and you know, the, the assistants do make money, but it's a good paying job. But they're all on one year contracts, and they've had to move their families four, five, six times. Yeah, people don't understand that either. I mean, it's expensive to pick up and move. You know, well, it's um, hard on the kids. Ridiculous! I couldn't imagine moving my kids now. They've grown up one spot. All of a sudden, they're up and gone. At four, I, I just couldn't do it to them. Yeah, and, and look, the grind in the NFL is a grind during the season. But there is an off season, and in college, there used to be a really nice off season. It's called summer. You yeah. know, you'd kind of go and like you'd have all of us two weeks ago. All yeah. of May would be <laughs> off, and you know, you'd have two weeks worth of camps in June. You just go out there, and you know, maybe one big camp where you get all your prospects in. You want to take a look at, and then the rest of it's just youth camp and specialist camp, and. You know, Spur would be out there. Oh, shoot, it's camp season. It's, I'm going to go play. And then they'd leave and go play golf that afternoon. And then from that point until August, you did nothing. Now, you got official visitors coming in. You got this, that. I mean, thank God for July. But, I mean, these guys don't – they don't They don't have a lot of time off. So, I, I feel bad uh, for them. I'll tell you the positive, though, about baseball, Jamie, this year in, specifically, the portal – has actually given more attention to the sport. Yeah, um, that's true. Because baseball, and, and, and it is through recruiting. Like baseball recruiting uh, was kind of a niche thing. You know, Whittle would write about it on our site, and he'd cover it, and that's how he got his feet wet. And bless him, he'd go out to these AAU tournaments and sweat and uh, all that all summer. Coach Tanner was out there too, you know, and uh, all the coaches. And that was a labor of love for those guys. But now, because of the portal, like fans know who you're talking about. They've seen them on TV. They've seen them in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so there is like a bunch of interest now. Like, okay, I've never seen a baseball recruit that I get asked about more than Billy Hamick. And it's not just for people around South Carolina. I was on with Bill King earlier today in Nashville. We talked for 10 minutes about Billy Hamick, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, from that standpoint, the sport, as far as the health of it goes, um, I think that's 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 the one positive you could take out of it is that fans are now engaged with college baseball's off season more than they ever have been, and I, I know that on the, like on our show and on the Big Spur too. You know, I, they're talking about portal additions and recruiting and stuff way more than they ever have before. Yeah. Um, and and I think baseball, you know, most baseball fans love personnel, but it's hard to get excited about a guy that's in, just finished up ninth grade committing to your school. You know, you, he kind of just goes away and forgets about it, and that's how it's been up until this point. Well, now you do have the high school guys. You do have all that. 
but the portal thing is like free agency, uh, which is what it is. Uh, so, I mean, you've got proven commodities, and so the excitement level does go up. So that's the, that's the positive of it. I understand the negative, and you know, God bless Monty Lee and Mark Kingston and those guys because it's a uh, it's a grind. It's kind of like um, kind of like that scene in Ghostbusters where they hired Winston. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. He walked in. It's like, hey, yeah. he's like, oh, you're hired. You're hired, and handed him a ghost trap. He's like, follow me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that's kind of the deal there. So, well, yeah. And, if, uh, and to right. add on to what you're saying too, JC, about about it, because I look, I I I hate a lot of this stuff. Um, and uh, and by the way, Timmy, uh, we we. Um, we know what you're talking about. We're, we'll get to that here in just a second on the other side of this break because it is a, it is a huge bump for 24-7. But um, it shows you the staff, football staff might know what they're talking about. But I go back 20 years ago, 21 years ago, um, in 2002, and I'm not sure if either one of you remember this, but I remember Coach Tanner after the 2002 World Series when Texas beat him. And – uh, uh, own was leaving. Drew was leaving. Drew and I've talked about this a bunch because we kind of laughed when he said it. Um, and you know there was a bunch of guys off that O two team that were departing. Of course, they went to the World Series in O three and O four. But I remember Coach Tanner got asked at the end of the season, you know, about rebuilding the program. You know, any of y'all remember this? And do you remember what his response was? We don't rebuild. We yeah, don't reload. We reload. He said, yeah. mm-hmm. we're, at South Carolina, we don't rebuild. We reload. And they've been doing a lot of rebuilding around here for a while. But for the first time in the, you know, fairly decent last few years, they're just reloading. And back then, yeah, you reloaded with um, with incoming guys, you know, with, with high school guys. But you also reloaded with JUCO guys, right? <laughs> we were the we were the JUCO bandits. And I think earlier this year on our on our program here, Monty called them the Portal Bandits or something, or the Portal Mafia. And the Portal ba- Mafia. Ba- back right. then, <laughs> Carolina we were, we were the JUCO bandits. I mean, Coach Tanner every year just plucked them out. And him and and um, him and Coach Myers and Coach Toman and Monty when he got here, and then Espa. I mean, they went and found the they went and found the dudes, and they're like, "Hey, look, man, you're going to come in and play every day. You are not going to play every day, but we're probably going to hit you about every third game. When you go in there, you kind of need to hit a home run." Like they just tell them that they didn't care. So now under Coach King, and you're and to your point, JC, you're dead on because here we are. We're about to roll into July, and just like what Coach Lake said last week on our program, we're still talking about Carolina baseball, which goes to show you how much people care about it around here. So they're reloading, and who knows if they'll land all these guys or not. They're in a good spot. They're in a good spot, but it could change. But they're in a good spot. Um, And Mark Kingston has made outstanding hires, guys. Think about that for a second. Think about who's on this staff. They're incredible coaches. Jack IA was an outstanding hire. Skyler Mead was an outstanding hire. And now he's got some... He's got some fluidity here, and he's got a foundation. So they're just reloading, they're plugging, and then this is the best spot they've been in in the off season in a long time. And re- I mean that seriously. And I and no do- disrespect to Coach King and his prior years here. No disrespect at all to my my friend Coach Holbrook or anything like that. 
this offseason, this is the best spot that this team has been in going into the following year in a long time. And um, and hopefully the next few days can be pretty good to them. So, um, and Cassandra okay. here. Cassandra or Cassandra, you correct me. But you're right. Bobby and June did bring in a lot of JUCO guys back then, too. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, the JUCOs, man. That, that's, uh, I, you know, hey, you get it accomplished through the, the portal. Um, that's good. I'm still looking at these rankings. I'm still flabbergasted by the fact that Troy Stevenson is still in the top 250. Well, I, hold, just hold on. Hold on, because we're going to take a break. Stable. We'll let you get uh, through yeah, all that yeah, when we get back. But uh, I, I'm staring at it now. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, lot, of, good, a lot of decent rankings Certainly for some, the Gamecocks. Some, some movement there. Cause it, correct me if it's Cassandra or Cassandra. We want to try to get that right around here. I'll answer this one quickly, and then we'll hit a timeout, and we'll come back, and we'll dip into some of the newest uh, rankings out by 24-7. But um, – what she asked, uh, what is to become of Scott Wingo? Uh, that's still TBD. Um, Scotty, if he stays on, will be in an off-the-field role. Um, I haven't spoken too much with him lately. We've probably exchanged a couple of texts here and there. And um, we'll, we'll probably know something here pretty soon. Hopefully he finds what's best for Scott Wingo and um, because he's just an unbelievable dude. So, But as soon as we know, you'll know too. All right, uh, so let's hit a timeout, and then we'll get into some of this stuff when we return. It's been – I saw Joel in here earlier, Phil, and he had a great idea yesterday about doing like a weekly smoke and meat segment. So this might be something we have to work on next week some over food, the break. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joel, we're with you on that. Um, but we'll turn the page a little bit today. Does anybody have a 4th of July go-to drink because i'll be on a boat in delaware next week and they've already asked me hey what do you want no something out of you can't just be like miller light or you know (laughs) corona that's gotta be something you know something and it can't be bourbon i'll be dead i got kids on a boat in the heat of the summer so something (laughs) different something refreshing for summertime if you've got it tell us and we will be right back on inside the gamecocks the show powered by electric bikes of charleston Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotra, Convention Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Fossil, Caldwell Banker, Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her. 
and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Coleman from the Yardcocks. Electric bikes at Charleston Powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Mad Dog? No way. And I saw that. Yeah, old Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever even actually had a full one of those in my entire life. Have y'all? Have you ever had one, Phil? Oh, yeah. Mad Dog 2020? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah no. I used to drink it back in the day. Yeah. Did you really? That Boone's Farm. Boone's Farm. <laughs> there's that real, there's that brief window in your life where it's like... <laughs> That's either what was provided you. <laughs> like Edward but, Forty Hands, remember that game? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. You're, you're not play a little game called... drinker, you know, in your <laughs> early years. Let's play a little game called What's in Phil's Cooler? <laughs> yeah, right. Jesus, yeah. Phil, Matt Dogs, you're 40 years old, man. Listen, that, you, you know, if they put Bartles and James back out there, I may have some sort of, you know. Reminiscent moment there. <laughs> oh gosh, man, man, My, Cass, Cassandra. Okay, got it. Cass, Cassandra. There you go. Okay, all right. We got it now. Well, maybe we'll just call her Mom, Mama Cass. How about that? There you go. I'm, I'm cool. Okay. All so, the leaves are brown. To, to be, and I, JC, I'll let you get into the to the rankings here. But all right to. To Bink Beatty. All right, so uh, he said blueberry lemonade and mango Ciroc vodka. Now, that while that – I'll try that. 
because I I like I like vodka. I'm a vodka guy during, especially during the summer. Um, I'll tell you this: y'all are gonna both laugh at me, but I don't care. You, if you ever want to, do you like vodka, Phil? Oh yeah, I, I mean, I, in moderation, in moderation. Yeah, yeah. I don't drink but, near but as like, much clear liquor as I used to, just because. But like a good, sure, like, I burned I'll, the body out on it ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, somebody, somebody, watch out! Mad Dog Molinax is in the house. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Um, yeah I didn't have right, enough this, of it to be considered that. <laughs> my my cousin got me on this uh, years ago, and I I haven't had one in a while. But that reminds me, blueberry vodka. And it has to be Stoli's or Smirnoff, to be honest with you. Stoli's is probably a little bit better. Blueberry vodka with it. Just follow along. You know the Minute Maid lemonades? Minute Maid lemonade, like you buy them in cans. Yeah, It has to be five-calorie Minute Maid canned lemonades with blueberry vodka. It's killer. Hmm. It's killer. Okay. Sounds, sounds a little, you know. But I'm telling no, I you. feel you on that. I, I like yeah. it. I, I like a good, you know, canned beverage as a mixer. That's that's kind of my go-to these days. Anyway, if I am going to mix it, I typically drink stuff just on the rocks or neat. But seventy-six is a great goose guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, goose. All right. Yeah, the, the, when the goose is loose, that's fine. I, I love mm-hmm. Dixie vodka, though. I'm such a fan of Dixie vodka. I just don't buy anything but Dixie vodka anymore. Hmm. If, if I do vodka, I'll do goose. Yeah. Like sometimes at the end of the night, I like to have me a gray goose martini with an olive. Whoa. <laughs> if I've been oh, having Vegas or something like that, nice. last Watch call out, drink, you, Ooh, give me a goose, goose martini. Fancy pants. He's got his shirt up. off. He's on the back porch. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if I got an olive. Uh, no, there was a commercial. There was like a live goose. I was like, "Hey, talk to me, goose." And the goose went, <laughs> and then they like, go, go, "You know what I want?" And the goose goes, Rrr. and he waddles in. He comes back with a little tray t- attached to his back with the martini. Thank you, son. <laughs> yeah. You can call, call the goose, son. Yeah, Lee, son. Hey, boy, Charlotte's going to be a lot of fun between JC's. Matt Martini and Mad Dog Molinax. Somebody ain't making the bull. Look out. <laughs> nah, um, yeah. By the way, Bink, Bink actually asked earlier, uh, any, any get-togethers in Charlotte? Yeah, the uh, Carolina Rise VIP tailgate. You can actually find tickets to that on um, uh, Eventbrite right now. Just look it up. Uh, mm-hmm. And then if you ordered a rain check package, you'll get free tickets. And if you give a certain amount to Carolina Rise, you're getting free tickets. So, uh, which is uh, a million gotta, dollars, by the way. I got to get with uh, my boy on the uh, the locations. I received some suggestions the other day, so we got we got to get that nailed down. But um, Are you talking about once, uh, no, once, uh, uh, no. I mean, I got some suggestions from you, so I got I got to get with uh, my guy on the ground, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, so to be sure to do that. But um, I. Uh, yeah, I don't drink liquor. I try to stay away from it. And the Mad Dog Phil, my God! Oh, I mean, it's been ages. Take I me mean, back to that's nineteen ninety four. Yeah. That was it's almost thirty ages. years ago. <laughs> but I, I had the stu- I had the intestinal fortitude back then to drink things like OE, like Old right. English, same uh, Boone's Farm. Well, I love me some Boone's Farm Zima. 
Yeah. Where's Lance at? I was about to say, how are we having this whole conversation? I drink a lot. Latte Latte Lance hadn't been in once. You know, uh, I was wondering if he was all right. (laughs) Yeah, I I stick to Miller Lite now, but, um, you know, so that's uh, that's, – I was was hammering hammering smoke on the golf course last week. I was hammering him because he kept drinking out of this thing, this, like, bottle. Not not like like a water bottle almost, and I was like, "You got Bud Light in there, don't you?" <laughs> he was like, "I don't drink Bud Light." I was like, "Uh huh." You just mm-hmm. poured it in a water bottle, so nobody know. <laughs> wow, That's you got to find funny. that zone. I mean, you oh, find man. That dude, zone. I was crushing him, man. I was <laughs> hammering him. Oh, it was so funny. Golly, that was so funny. Um, all right, I'll, I'll make one more, and then, JC, get to the uh, the stuff here. With all the things that are said here, if any of you have not had Patrick Davis's Blackberry Whiskey Jam on the rocks, it is phenomenal. Um, not every liquor store will have it. I know it's all over Charleston. It, it's in Columbia, like Greens and places like that. Um, I mean, people, it's, it's definitely widespread. But um, – Patrick Davis's Blackberry Whiskey Jam. Now, it's dangerous. You drink that in the sun all day. It's going to be a long day now. But if you want to have something good on the rocks, Patrick Davis's Blackberry Whiskey Jam. I'm going to have to try that. I've heard you mention that a couple times. What is that noise? I don't know, man. There are ghosts in the audio today. It's nuts. I I, I don't hear on my uh, I think it's it. JC. Meet yourself one time. It's him, isn't it, Phil? It is him. It is. Yeah, it's been him we all should, along. We should have known. <laughs> what what's hey, that, it sound like? Kind of. Well, you're not sped up, but kind of that choppiness that Perry had. Like, yeah, digital. I, I told them something's going on. Since the kids have been out of school, something's going on. I don't know if maybe we got some devices loading something, but I've got. So I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave and come back. I'll be right back. Somebody okay. turn the microwave on. <laughs> like, like, like cousin Eddie. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's getting a signal <laughs> and piss my pants. Bouncing off that enormous dome he's got. <laughs> I forget. I forget my name and I piss my pants. <laughs> oh man the uh, the news that was mentioned earlier in the Nana Sports chat box was that of Fred Johnson. Twenty four seven Sports has bumped him four hundred and two spots. Yeah, from the five hundred and thirty sixth ranked prospect in the country. To the 134th. Now, that is not the composite. That is just their ranking, which really is phenomenal. It also goes to show you that sometimes these coaches might know a little bit more than, I don't know, everybody else (laughs) when they try to sign a kid or recruit a kid. Um, But, um, Phil, he's a guy that when I think we had discussed this maybe off the air when uh, his name first came up collectively that – he really fit the mold of a guy who could come in and be an SEC linebacker with his size and with his speed, and now that's being reflected via his ranking. Yeah, he, he definitely looks the part here, this kid. Uh, and it's good to see that they showed him some love. Did he uh, – I'm trying to 
get rid of this now that JC's back. There we are. We're all back. JC, did this guy camp a lot? Did he go to any of these national, you know, camps yeah, and things like that and get noticed? Seven, is that what this bump is? 757. He, um, look, he, uh, he came to camp. He measured 6'3", 225. He long jumped. He was good moving around. Uh, Clint, I'm not concerned about him playing receiver. That That's his highlight film. So you don't really know that he's played more snaps there or not. And, you know, and, and, and the coaches have reviewed the game film. I, I think that's a complete non-issue. Uh, his upside is tremendous, and, and the defensive film he does have is impressive. Uh, I agree with the ranking, but I'm not going to sit here and give these guys too much credit because they still have Troy Stevenson and Braylon Staley ranked ahead of, of Cam Pringle. Uh, that makes sense. I looked, at the, uh, I looked at the ESPN rankings, which are updated today as well. They did not move Fred Johnson up, but they theirs make a little more sense to me as far as the state of South Carolina kids go and uh, and all that. But uh, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you ask 15 people, 15 different opinions about rankings, they'll give you different takes. Most people just care about the kids that are going to their school uh, being as ranked highly as possible. And certainly Fred Johnson moving up like that moves his composite score up. I would not be surprised to see on three follow with a, a high ranking for Fred and that'll bump his composite score up over four stars. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's it. Uh, I just, JC uh, right now they have six, I think Carolina has six uh, top two fifty players committed at this point in time. As a matter of fact, I think all six of those guys are basically in the top 200, but they clearly lead by a, a fairly large amount for Jonathan Paler. We know that they feel pretty darn good about Dylan Stewart. Um, that would be eight. Do you do you have off the top of your head the most top 250 prospects South Carolina has ever signed in a class? Uh, let me go back and look at 07 real quick. I got in front of me. Yeah, so. I figured it was it, probably. It would be, if it's any man. class, it would be 07. Now, that class – had a lot of great players and a lot of busts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So okay. So, then, so you, but you bring two, up something while, while you're looking that up, if you can process this as well, as my wife calls me, it's called multitasking. Um, can you compare and contrast the ranking system from 16 years ago to where it is yeah. now? How much more accurate it is and those type things? Cause I feel like that's important. Yeah. If, if we're talking about composite, they signed. And see, there weren't that many four stars back then because Jason Barnes was the number 272 player in the country when you feed the data into composite. Uh, and he was a three star. So Melvin Ingram was the lowest rated uh, four star because I think, I think rivals, we moved him up to four at the end and Scout had him as a three. But, but, but back then, guys, it wasn't, um, we, it was basically rivals. And then Scout had another system that was a little cattywampus. And, uh, and and went from there. Uh, but the rival system was interesting. And, and I actually, of all the systems, I liked using that one the best because a 10-point scale, 90 to 100 or whatever, that's fine for a composite ranking. But it's hard to, like, when you're ranking three stars, you know, it, it, it's hard to determine what's an 86 and what's an 84. Uh, but the rival system was like, okay, so your five stars are all 6.1. 
you know, then four stars are 5.8, 5.9, 6.0. And when I still talk to like friends in college coaching today about evaluations, they, they still talk in that language. Like, well, he's a 6.0, he's a 5.7, he's a 5.8. Um, and it's the best. I mean, unfortunately we didn't carry it with us, but uh, I think that's good because then, you know, so you got all your 5.7s, the highest three star. Well, then it's about position value. Like you rank the quarterbacks above the guards and, and, and stuff like that. Um, now, how it's changed is we have four organizations feeding into composite now. Uh, you know, Scout got purchased and enveloped by 24-7 Sports. Um, you know, then on three comes along, and uh, ESPN still doing rankings, and Rivals is still hanging in there and doing rankings, you know. Um, on three, I think uh, they changed their consensus to where, like, their, their composite uh, – weighs 24-7's rankings and their rankings higher than ESPN or Rivals. We're still kind of even. Uh, you know, I know Carolina looks better on, on three, and I love on three's rankings team and, and all that, but I, I still think it's good to do do it even, and, and unless the other guys are just absolute clowns, and they're not. Um, the guys that are doing it at Rivals now try really hard. They, they know some things about certain positions. And then the guys at ESPN are pros, man, and I've known them for a long time. Uh, they have a different – they have a kind of a different philosophy uh, in, in how they rank guys. So I think it's good to have all those perspectives feed into a composite. Now, are some people wrong? Sometimes, absolutely. But, you know, when it was just two back in the day – uh, and I, th- I think with those seven, that was the first year ESPN did rankings. And they had a ton of Carolinas guys up there. And by the way, the number is 12, 12 top 250 guys in the class of, of, of 07. But I'll tell you this, uh, Mark Barnes was one of them. Uh, yeah. Brian Maddox was one of them who had a good career, not great. Joe Hills was one of them. Jameer Williams was one of them. Quentin Richardson was one of them. Deion LaCorn was one of them. Wesley Saunders was one of them. Uh, and then Melvin and Jason Barnes. So a good half of those guys didn't really play a whole lot, you know. So it it was a it was a really good class on paper. It was nice to be ranked what seventh in the country, but some of those guys just didn't pan out. So uh, I think, um, you know, I, I think that if Carolina this time around could get closer to that, and, and also the rankings are better because of huddle, because of technology. You know, we used to have to fly. I'll never forget when I, I told you about the time I met Marshawn Lynch. Not Lloyd Lynch. Uh, it's my first plane trip since 1988. It was 2006. I had been on an airplane 18 years. I was scared to death. Fly from Nashville to the Bay Area. That's back before the homeless took over. Beautiful trip. Uh, landed, went right across the bridge to a, a school called Oakland Tech. Where Marshawn Lynch went, and Marshawn yeah. was in the parking lot because he was at, uh, he had just gotten out of Cal at the time, or he was at Cal, and Cal's right there too. Uh, and we walk in, and there's this little closet of a weight room with all these dudes working out, and my man behind the counter running the DJ just reaches his big old paw in, the, in a grocery bag and hands us four VHS tapes. <laughs> That's how we had to get film back then, or you had to pray for him to mail it to us or something. Uh, and then we download it and put it on the internet. But, you know, some of those guys, we didn't have film. So we counted on things like in-person camps, Nike camps. And a, a lot of times that can get your evaluation messed up. Nowadays you go to huddle. Everybody's got a huddle. Everybody's got a huddle film. So you you have that valuable asset there 
to kind of back up what you think at, of at camps and whatever. So, and everybody's got access to it too. So fans understand a little more. So whether or not I agree and I just sent, I fired off an email right now while we were on break to our evaluators about Troy Stevenson and Braylon Staley, because they're still like top 130 in the country. And I just can't wrap my head around that one. And I said, look, just give me, tell me why. And I'll, I'll repeat it. And so I can defend this. I can't right now. Uh, but anyway, so I just fired that off at them, but, uh, you know, uh, and I got a, a feedback. The answer right now is they just focused on uh, reworking quarterbacks since the elite 11 went out, but that, that notwithstanding the rankings are pretty good now. I mean, you know, because of composite and composite kind of serves as not bias, but, but every, everybody's got bias. I think not in terms of teams, but players, like you have these guys, it's just like NFL scouting or major league scouting scouts fall in love with these guys. And then they'll go into scouting meetings and, Three of those guys are like, yeah, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're nuts. Give me a beef sandwich. You're nuts, you know. Uh, and that's the way rankings are. So what that does is it balances it out. It's like everybody's brain working together to spit out a composite, and that's why they're better. Um, you know, more people, more technology, all that. So, yeah, we had a lot of misses. Not only Carolina did that year, but in the, recru- the recruiting industry in general back in the mid-2000s just because we did not have the resources uh, that are available now, and, and you you only had a handful of organizations doing it. So there's a long answer, JB. Uh, it's probably going to be part of my book one day that I I write about recruiting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I can't wait to read that. If you don't mind, send me a signed copy, and we'll. Uh, I don't read books, so we'll put it on the. You can go to the Barnes and Noble in Somerville, and I'll sign it for you. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> you know, you do realize. You didn't realize that people in Somerville can't read. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding to all, all my Somerville friends out there. I'm just kidding. That's an old Wando thing. All right. Got to go to break. Yeah. It's our final one on this uh, Thursday afternoon. We're painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Let me paint something.com. Call Tristan and his team. If you're in the Peach State or the Palmetto State, you could be up in Tacoa, Georgia, or in Myrtle Beach, you could be in Hilton Head or Savannah. You can be anywhere. It doesn't matter. Peach State, Palmetto State, a couple of painters. Let me paint something.com. We'll be right back. A new home. Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS L S two 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 nine L O N M L S one seven seven two one eight two. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as one hundred sixty dollars per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit the Barndominium. Co.com. That's the barndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned and operated. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida, and you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. 
looks up and it is gone. Go two is sent to center. And this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field, passes, and it's gone. To a Kenny. Isn't Marion a mailman? I thought Marion was one of our mailmen. Is he Marion the drunk mailman? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Marian, think I think that's 1222. I don't know. Marion and uh, Lance are mailmen. Lance a mailman? No, yeah, there's. And somebody else. Is it. Uh, Joey Sox. Joey Sox is a mailman. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But Marion, isn't Mar- Where's Marion? Where's he a mailman? Oh, no, I don't know. Is he? He's not in Columbia, is he? He may be in Marion. His <laughs> name's really Rod. His name's Rod. Maybe, maybe it is his Marion. His name's Rod. I don't think Marion's so, his name. Yeah. <laughs> no, Lance is... Uh, oh, Lance is a Department of Transportation. Oh, That's even better. <laughs> no wonder those guys are always standing around on the side of the road. S-E-D-O-T. <laughs> Man, that guy hasn't picked up a shovel in the last 30 minutes. Yeah, he's, it's because there's not water in that bottle, my friend. Um, well, Marion, where? Oh, he's in Somerville. Okay. Somerville. I knew that. I oh, okay. Well, you, he's in the sure. clear because Joey said he was coming back to wipe out all the mailmen in Columbia, right? Yeah, he said he was going to be he's, the new Columbia mailman. The only one. <laughs> he's <laughs> right. That's that what we figured. Dude's going to be busy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> delivering eight hundred thousand pieces of mail a day. Yeah, I mean, no uh, wonder it's like yeah, rain, snow, sleet, and hail. Hell, he's got to yeah. work through sleep too. He's <laughs> hey, to, Joel, don't think I haven't thought about that. By the way, um, well, not the I haven't thought about the. It's not a bad idea with the barbecue class auction thing, but I have thought about trying to get Matt Pittman on the program to do. Uh, yeah, so we'll see what we can come up with. We'll see. Who knows? But we'll see. Oh. Hey, uh, you do. Y'all realize that. <clears throat> have y'all looked at the first couple of weeks of the year? The the lines that are already out. Have y'all? I saw South Carolina. Two no, of I'm them not. that I, I. I saw South Carolina was a one and a half point underdog to North Carolina. Yeah. Which I don't give a fiddler's foo about. I think it's probably better for the Gamecocks that they are an underdog because when they are, they usually surpass expectations. Uh, I uh, saw Clemson was a 12 point favorite against Duke on Monday night in Durham. That surprised me a little bit. It's a low, low line for Clemson Duke, but Duke, Duke's really good. If you watched Duke last year, they're they're physical. They're really good. Um, and then I think Florida, is it LSU or Florida? LSU is a three point favorite over Florida state in Orlando on Sunday. So I I did notice those three. So do either one of you think that, um, both of those teams could end up in the college football playoff this year. I, I, I don't mean both of them. I mean, I guess they both could together at the same time, but uh, I'm just mean like, I would you say that Florida State cannot make the playoff or, or LSU cannot make the playoff, or do you think that they're both teams who could be in contention to be in there? 
I'm looking at I'm trying to pull up FSU schedule. This feels like me. well, they got that game and they got to go to Clemson too. Yeah, it's at so, Clemson. Yeah, yeah they won four. once since uh, Bobby Bowden uh, let his son save his job in 03. Uh, I think Florida State's won once at Clemson, and that was 13, the Jimbo Fisher national title team that just beat the tar out of them 51 14. Yeah. They have not won in that, Death Valley, but once. That doesn't matter yeah. this go around, I don't think. I'm not sure. Well, keep in mind, too, we could be seeing the FSU Clemson part one and part two this year. I was just about to say the same thing. There's no divisions divisions in the ACC this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think think what? I think it's smart for the the, uh, ACC to do that because the best matchup they've had was a pandemic year uh, because that other division is just so awful. When Notre Dame, Notre Dame and Clemson played, and it was just top two. So now you're going to get the two best teams in that league, regardless uh, playing. So uh, I do think it's uh, it's solid. That's uh, that's a good point. I don't think, by the way, that that LSU Florida State game, because you're going to hear it right as we get closer to the ball game. Oh man, you know whoever loses this, you know how does that affect their playoff chances? You heard it here first in June. It doesn't. No. That's the perfect week to lose a game. Yeah, if you lose that <laughs> game, that doesn't affect that does not affect their playoff chances. No. I mean, if you win it, it helps them. But if you lose that game, you're not out. Now, the what it, I guess the residual effect is if you lose another one. That's the problem cuz you yeah. know, in Florida State so Florida State, their September is important. So they play LSU, then they got uh, they got to go Clemson. They only have one home game in September. Yeah, um, right. So they go LSU. Southern Miss comes in the next weekend. They go at Boston College, which is always a little tricky, um, and then at Clemson right away. So it's week four. Then they got a bye week, and they got a a, a very very down Virginia Tech coming in. You got a Syracuse mm-hmm. and Duke, dangerous but manageable teams. Then they go to – this is interesting, this part of their schedule. Yeah, you're right. They play mm-hmm. at Wake and at you're right. Pitt. I'm with you. Back to back. And that's – careful. Be careful. Pitt, yeah. Pitt in November with those Florida kids, man. Yep. Uh, woo. And then they and it's, it's right before the Miami game. And, you know, they always get up for that one. And then you, they think – I don't know who in a – North Alabama. So, Jake Bentley's team comes to town. <laughs> uh, Jake's quarterback coach there, by the way. And then at Florida at the end of the year, um, Florida's going to be an interesting team this year. Uh, if the Gators are sitting at six and five, something like that, that's dangerous for Florida State. I mean, that game last year was a touchdown game. According to Brad uh, Crawford, Florida ain't going to be sitting at six and five when they. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I, yeah. I we, had, we, had, we had Shane Matthews on uh, JC Morgan at eight. He kind of thinks they'll, they'll win seven or eight, but I don't know. I, I think when you look at their depth chart, it's, it tells a different story. So. Hey, so let me ask you this. To your point, JC, the September – they're off on the 30th, by the way, Florida State is. Um, if they get through the first four, let's say they beat LSU. I Now, I personally think LSU is going to win that game, but let's say that Florida State wins. 
and then they beat Southern Miss and they go to Boston College and they win and they turn around and go to Clemson and they win. Are they the number one team in the country at that point in time? Because Georgia's going to be number one coming into the year, but Georgia's schedule is awful compared to that outside of playing South Carolina. You're going to have – yeah, because you're you're going to have a, uh, a a debate about it because they'll have quality. I mean, you know, you beat LSU on a neutral field uh, and you beat Clemson at Clemson, Clemson. right? Uh, and then, like, so I'm looking at like Michigan's schedule, boy. This is you want to talk about a joke. Hmm. Uh, they play East Carolina, respectable opening opponent. UNLV, yeah, but they're 37 point favorites in that game. Yeah, you. I, I think ECU is going to keep that closer than that. 37 is a big number. They play UNLV. They play Bowling Green. And then the conference starts with Mighty Rutgers. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then uh, so they'll be 4 0 at this then point. They but Nebraska. they wouldn't have, wouldn't have left. And they go to Nebraska, Minnesota, whatever. Uh, it doesn't get thick for them until the end of the year when they go to Penn State. And then they go. And then uh, Maryland, who could be tricky, and then Ohio State. So I wouldn't gloss so, over that Michigan State game, JC, that they play on October 24th. I'm not as sold on Mel Tucker as most Mel people Lansing. are. But I agree because MSU usually gives them fits. Yeah. So Ohio State. All right. So I was trying to figure this out today. So they do have kind of a – they have an interesting road game to start the season at Indiana. They play Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, who could be a little tricky. Uh, and then at Notre Dame. So Ohio State winning at, at Indiana and at Notre Dame, that probably does not trump the two wins Florida State would have. Um, but how about that? Let's check on Alabama because that's the only other team I think that can slide up there. So Alabama will – oh, now, look, now here, here, here you go. Alabama will have beaten Rick Stockstill, Middle Tennessee State, which is a respectable first-game opponent. They will have beaten Texas. They will have won at South Florida. It's a road game. And then they will have beaten Ole Miss. So, I, I don't know. So, would, are you going to go with Bama or are you going to go with FSU in that situation? I, I would have to, you know, because like, like you said, I don't, I don't know that I, – I think, I think this may – this will be – because there's so much talk about Georgia's schedule that they're going to punish Georgia for the schedule um, with the rankings and all that. The, the only difference is it'll all come out in the wash at the end because if they're undefeated, right. they're going. There's no question about it. But, uh, you know, and then Georgia, if they do start 4-0, because I'm not going to concede that game uh, for the Gamecocks, but if they do start 4-0 as expected, uh, week five at Auburn. Now, that's not that's not your, your, your mom and dad's Auburn. They're rebuilding a little bit, but. It's Hugh Freeze. They're gonna, it's a new year. That place is going to be rocking. So that's kind of – and then they have to turn around and play Kentucky the next week at home, which is never easy. Kentucky uh, Kentucky is just one of the few teams Georgia can't score against, it seems. So, uh, you know, that could get – that little meaty – that little part right there. I mean, they're going to blow the doors off of Trent Dilfer in UAB. They're going to beat Tennessee Martin and Ball State. I'd have to think they'd probably be 17 and a half point favorite against the Gamecocks or something like that. But uh, it's, uh, you know, if you start comparing all four home games for Georgia and then start looking at what Florida State did, uh, I can't well, see how you couldn't rank FSU over Georgia for that week. Based on resume. I mean, yeah, the eyeball test is going to matter. But, I mean, if you go out there and you roll out that resume, and you mentioned the Tide resume. We talked about this yesterday too, Phil. I mean, it's been a while for – Bama plays a tough schedule every year. They're in the SEC. That's the way it goes, especially the West. But it's been a while since you can actually look at their schedule. I mean, nobody nobody in college football 
I said it yesterday. I'm going to say it again. Nobody in college football has a neater home schedule than Alabama. Nobody. That's impossible. They got Texas. Sark used to be an OC. Ole Miss. Lane used to be an OC. You got Arkansas coming to town. You got Tennessee coming to town. Alabama and Tennessee, of course. They got LSU coming to town. That poor Chattanooga, when they come in at the end of the year, nobody's going to be there for that. There will only be 80,000. <laughs> hey, don't yeah. forget that. Oh, you guys are missing an important part about Chattanooga. That's uh, Alabama alum Lorenzo Whammy Ward's homecoming. There you go. Oh, all right, see? All right. That. That's right. I mean, There's storyline there. That's huge. <laughs> ah, we, we miss old, we miss old <laughs> Whammy. I, I think – I, I disagree with Brad a little bit yesterday with Bama. I think that they will take care of their issues at home. Those teams are all really good, and I know that. Um, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just going to take a little bit of a different. I think what happens to Bama this year is they trip up somewhere on the road. I think that they're going to win the games that people think that they're in jeopardy. It's hard to back Nick Saban into a corner. Whoa, Texas is coming to town. He's like, yeah, okay, well, we'll just beat them by three touchdowns, and that'll quiet everybody up. I think for Alabama, it's like like they go to Lexington. Mm. You know what I mean? In like November. It just, it yeah. just feels Lexington like a strange. Yeah, yeah. In you know, they, get, and you they know, go to Auburn, and like Hugh Freeze teams get better as the year goes on, generally not worse. They what go to at College Station, College Station and Stark, yep. Starkville and College they Station. Back to back. Yeah. yeah, just some blue collar stuff in there, man. I I just feel like it's going to be one of the, one of those weekends somewhere where you gl- glance over it because it's like a seven thirty SEC network kick, and you got bigger games on ESPN and ABC, and and then all of a sudden you look up in the fourth quarter and you're going, why is this twenty? Four to why, twenty-three. Why is this so close? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that feeling. Come on, football season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love you know, you're, you're texting your. You got drunk Flint calling you at ten thirty at night, going, "Dude, are you are you watching this game? I've only had six bottles of wine today." I'm like, Michael, this game's a fifty-point blow. I know, but it's hey, cool. <laughs> I'm gonna make a little prediction here. I think everybody's sleeping on Tyler Buckner, uh, the Notre Dame kid that, that went to Bama. At Alabama, good. Yeah, with yeah, his OC, good. I, I'm not going to do that. That kid's yeah. good. He just needs to cut down on the mistakes, and he will, because Saban will smash his fingers into the piano. Um, <laughs> I'll make a prediction. Carson back from Georgia, Tyler Butler from Alabama, and Spencer Rattler. Six months, six weeks into the season, people will consider those three the top three quarterbacks. Okay. All this Devin Leary hype, and I love Jalen Daniels a lot, and Jalen Daniels may be the one that proves me wrong, but everybody else... Those three guys, because they, they, there hasn't been a lot of respect. What about Joe Milton? People get Carson Beck, Tyler Butner, and Spencer Rattler. All right. I, I, love, Joe, I love Joe Milton. Loved him as a recruit. Very strong arm. Carson Beck, Tyler Butner, Spencer Rattler. I'd take We're on hey, to Cincinnati. How many? We're on to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Hey, how many times mm-hmm. has Saban beaten Brian Kelly? Oh, one every every time, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I only think they played twice. Three? I mean, that I thought it was three. <laughs> well, well, last year he didn't. He didn't beat him last year. Well, they uh, didn't two and one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that game. LSU. Was in, they beat him at a. They, Brian, Brian beat him at LSU. That game was in Baton Rouge, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't going again. I just saw it in the chat box here. Who, who said that? Harrison. My man. He said he thinks that LSU beats Bama and Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I don't know about that. We gonna but beat dude, them, bud. Hey, recruiting. You got <laughs> Tennessee and LSU. Man, Bama, Bama. They're gonna earn it if they want to get into the playoff this year. They're gonna earn it. There's no doubt. That's tough. That's Roll Tide. What? And FSU Clemson thing. I think if I think they play twice this year, I don't see anybody being better than them. But no. Hey, I think oh, by if, the way, I, I think if one of them sweeps, they make the uh, they make the playoff. If they split, I don't think either one of them goes. Well, they may lose. Clemson may lose a non-conference game at the end of November, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think if, no. if if FSU and Clemson play twice this year, and one of them sweeps that game, I say they probably go. But if, not, if they split yeah. the series and they play twice and they split. I don't think either one of them makes it. Clemson. By the way, everybody go like our Facebook page and Instagram account (laughs) at Inside the Gamecocks. I got on this AI app the other night. Oh no! And I had it draw. You didn't put that into the universe. Tell me you didn't. I I, I, no, not the one I sent you guys. Uh, I did put. uh, I did. I didn't tell it to draw a picture. I said, "Draw Coach O in a bowl of average jambalaya." Okay. And sure enough, it, it was very specific and did it. That so it, it's good. on our Instagram account. I thought what you sent me and Phil last night, you, you, that was hilarious. That was great. I show my wife, she goes, public. Oh my God. That's not going public, man. You know, but it was, a second, I was like, like, Oh I my God. That, no. <laughs> I was just, uh, I was, Nat, Nat's about to kill me with that thing already. She's already like, This is not going to be, you need to put that up. You need, you're, you're, what are you doing? You know, so we'll yeah, see. your AI and your Tic Tac stuff. The Chinese are going to own you here soon, from what I hear, right? Yeah, I'll be I'll be an avatar, just like I sent you the <laughs> other day, like living in cyberspace. Hi, fellas. JC is going to be doing our show from a Chinese prison camp before long. <laughs> Jeez. All right, we got to go. Uh, uh, please don't be reading. It's not. All right. Thanks to Perry Orth for joining us earlier. One more show. And then we're done for a week. Uh, we'll take a vacation like hopefully many of you will. And we'll be coming back and roaring for college football. Hope you have a, with all this drinking talk, thirsty Thursday afternoon. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. We're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. It is the coolest golf club in the Carolinas, hands down. Michael Manis, by the way, will pop in tomorrow for a couple of minutes. Who owns it? And he'll tell you about the tournament coming up in just a couple of weeks in Merle's Inlet. If you play golf, you want to play in this. I promise you. TravelingCountryClub.com. See you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, this show.